Thank you for joining us today. For more information about our service times, visit okoegt.com. Also, stay in touch with us on social media by liking us on Facebook and following us on Instagram at okoegt. Now let's prepare our hearts as we go into the message. Well, today we conclude our sermon series on summer gains. It's Today's assignment for me is intercessory prayer. Intercessory prayer. You've heard me say this before, and I want to repeat it again. We are never more like Jesus than when we are praying for others. We're never more like Jesus than when we pray for others. In that great sermon that Jesus preached, we call it the Sermon the Mount, the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5, verse 44, records the words of Jesus. Jesus said, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Notice what Jesus linked together. He linked love and prayer together. So in your notes, write this. Can we love others adequately if we do not spend time praying for them? Jesus linked love and praying together. And can we really say that we love the world if we don't pray for lost souls? Can we really say that we love one another if we're not praying for each other? In the Gospel of Mark, Mark records the hectic schedule of Jesus, the needs of others We're making huge demands on the time of Christ. In Mark 6, verse 30, it says the disciples returned to Jesus from their ministry tour and told him all that they had done and taught. Can you imagine the excitement of the disciples as they're coming to give Jesus a report of their their daily ministry? And it says, then, then Jesus said, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. And then, and then Mark gives this commentary. He says, he said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. Notice the demand that was placed upon the time of Christ. People were coming and going, making such demands. on They, they wanted to be in his presence. They wanted to hear him teach. They, they, they wanted to touch Christ. And, and Mark says it got so busy during this time that they didn't even have time uh, to eat. However, Jesus made time to pray. Often one of the excuses that we make to ourselves for not praying is, I just don't have the time. Well, I want you to see how the enemy works so subtly to get you to walk in isolation. See, prayer is powerful. Prayer matters. Prayer will move the hand of God in your life. So the enemy knows the power that comes through prayer. So he's going to do everything he can to keep you distracted and to keep you busy that you don't feel like you have time to pray. Now, I would venture to say... None of us have any more demands put on us than Jesus had placed upon him. But he had time to pray. 
And that same chapter of Mark, if you go down to verse 46, says, after telling everyone goodbye, he, talking about Jesus, went up into the hills by himself to do what? To pray. So after a long day of ministry and, and after a long day of giving out, after a long day of working, he still made time to pray. He sent everybody away, and then he went up into the hills to pray. Never be too busy to pray. And if you look at the whole council of, a, of, of the synoptic gospels, in Luke 6, verse 12, it says, Jesus went up on the mountain to pray, and he prayed to God all night. Prayer was so important in the life in the ministry of Jesus, that he was willing to sacrifice comfort and sleep because he knew communion with God was going to make the difference in the ministry. Write this, prayer is the fuel that keeps the lamp trimmed and burning brightly. Prayer is the fuel that keeps the lamp trimmed and burning brightly. It's in Luke's gospel chapter 9 where Jesus takes Peter, James, and John and they go up to the mountain and they're praying. They're praying on the mountain and in verse 29 it says, as he was praying, the appearance of his face was transformed and his clothes became dazzling white. It is here in prayer where these men experienced a fuller revelation of who Jesus was and is. It is here in this prayer meeting that these disciples saw the heavens open and they peered into the realm of eternity. And church, some things cannot be seen except through prayer. Some things cannot be experienced except in prayer. And there is moments in one's life where you need a glimpse in the reality of eternal things, where you need to know that what you're walking through, that it's going to be worth it when you get to the other side. It's when you spend time in prayer and God opens the windows of heaven so you can peer inside and see who Jesus is. That's the importance of prayer. Luke records the words of the disciples in chapter 11 of his gospel. Says that Jesus was in a certain place praying. And as he finished, one of the disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray. Just as John taught his disciples. Now, to me, that's a powerful verse. First of all, you see Jesus praying. And then as he finishes praying, the disciples say, we want to know how to pray like you pray. Why would they ask Jesus to teach them to pray unless they heard Jesus praying? Mama, let your kids hear you praying. Dad, let your wife hear you pray. Dad, let your sons, your daughters hear you pray. Let other believers hear you pray. They heard Jesus pray. Write this, they saw Jesus pray. 
wasn't just something they heard. It was something they watched. They, they watched Jesus pray. May, may the world see the church pray today. May the world see the church call upon the Lord for them. Write the word challenge. They were challenged by Jesus' praying. My hope and my prayer is this, is that others will be challenged by how you pray. Others will be challenged to this spiritual discipline by being around you who pray. You can learn to pray. You can learn to pray better. The disciples who were spending time with Jesus, who were praying with Jesus, said, Lord, teach us how to pray. And I think this is a key to great praying. Realize it is a spiritual discipline which you can, uh, you can and will grow in. You will grow in your prayer life. It's not just something you do. It's something you experience and you grow in. As you study prayer, you will grow in how to pray. As you practice and experience prayer, you'll pray better. Jesus taught them. He gave them a formula for prayer. He gave them something to understand, and then he led them. He taught them by leading them in prayer, by his example, and by his regular routines. My, my challenge to us is this. May our regular routines teach others to pray. May our regular routines, the disciplines we have, Teach those who are watching. Little eyes are watching. Where do you go when problems come? Where do you go first thing in the morning? What do you do when the storm is raging? What do you do when life is filled with disappointments? Pray. Seek the face of God. Lead others through your example of prayer, write this, be around people of prayer. Be around people of prayer. Get together with people who pray. Respond to prayer calls. When we call a prayer, show up. Show up. Hey, 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 come. Be, be the first one through those doors saying, hey, I believe in prayer. I'm going to practice prayer. I'm going to do it. Respond to the call of prayer. Be in the atmosphere of prayer. Why? We're going to spend the rest of our time talking about because your prayer matters. Your prayer matters. It's not just a bumper sticker. Prayer changes things. Prayer influences, moves the hand of God, releases what's been declared in heaven in the earthly realm. Prayer. Prayer has powerful effect upon your life and upon others. Your prayers influence the affairs of life. Some people say, well, God has already determined what's going to happen, so it does not matter when or how I pray. What will be, will be. What this view of God creates a lack of prayer in the followers of the Lord. If life is already determined, then why pray? What's the need of prayer? What is the value of praying only to be disappointed? Nowhere in the New Testament or Old Testament can you find such a fatalistic view of God. I want to read this quote. You'll find it in your, in your, your notes because I thought it was so powerful. I want you to see it. I want you to read it. It says, the will of God 
is not to preserve and accompany and rule the world in such a way that he is not affected or moved by it, that he does not allow himself to converse with it. God is not the prisoner of his own resolve. God is not the prisoner of his own will. And God is not the prisoner of his own action. His sovereignty is so great that it embraces the possibility. It embraces the actuality that the creature can actually be present and cooperate in his overruling. That's the power of prayer. That as you engage in the presence of God, that you can affect your environment. That you can change the atmosphere. That heaven will move and it will be manifested in the earthly realm. That's the power of prayer. In other words, your prayers matter. Your prayers bring change. Your prayer brings deliverance, can affect destinies. Your prayer can bring breakthrough, can affect today. Your prayers can bring revival, can affect generations to come. So your prayer life matters. God, though, is not like a vending machine where you put money in, you say a few prayers, and then the desired product is delivered. Yet he has called us into this living, dynamic, moving relationship with his nature, with his character, and his goodness. And it was Jesus who told us, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. And it's in that context that Matthew records the words of Jesus. It's the context of parents and children. Jesus said, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask him? Your prayers matter in the work of God. I want to show you a couple of things through scripture, and I think it's so powerful. My aim today is to whet your appetite to go further, to study more about intercessory prayer and how your prayer can really affect change and how your prayer can really make a difference today. Your prayers matter in the work of God. It matters in the harvest. I want you to write that word harvest because it's important. Because we all deal with harvest. In Matthew's gospel, chapter 9, verse 36, it says, When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And he said to his disciples, The harvest is great, but the workers are few. And notice what he says, So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest, Ask him to send more workers into his field. Your prayers can affect the harvest. Your prayers have power to affect the harvest. You say, well, God knows the harvest. God wants the harvest to be collected. God's going to raise up. Jesus said, pray to the Lord the harvest because the workers are few. Because your prayers can increase workers in the harvest. Your prayers can bring change. Your prayers can affect destinies. Your prayers matter when it comes to the things and to the work of God. 
It matters because prayer is about you changing. Prayer is about you being conformed. But prayer is also about coming alongside and praying one for the other and the Lord changing their heart. The Lord calling them and anointing them. Your prayers can have effect in the harvest of God. So God is saying, hey, I need you to pray. I need you to bombard the gates of heaven and to call out and say, raise up laborers. There's a prayer we've been praying for 23 plus years here. I pray it every week and every day. Lord, raise up workers, raise up laborers. The harvest is great. Bring people who want to change the world. Bring people who want to serve. Bring people who want to make a difference. Bring people, God, who love you and love your word, who will keep getting up even when disappointed, who will keep serving you even when things are not turning out the way they thought they would. But they're going to show up. They're going to serve. They're going to worship. They're going to advance the kingdom of God. It's a prayer we've been praying because prayer changes things. Prayer works. But your your prayers make a difference and they matter in the work of God. Write this, they matter when it comes to the word of God. And this is powerful. And my hope is that you will have a rhema word. It will drop in your spirit. It'll illuminate and set a fire within you that you can't go by a day without praying, without calling out, without interceding, because your prayers affect the word of God, how it's received. We know that the word is like seed that the farmer cast upon the ground. Some falls on stony ground. Some falls, falls in the thorns. Some falls upon good soil. And brings up a fruit, a harvest. What makes the difference? Prayer. You praying. What if somebody's soul was weighing in the balance? The difference for them surrendering and receiving the word preached was the prayer you prayed the night before. But what was it if you didn't pray the prayer? 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. I want you to see this. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 1. Paul is concluding his letter to the Thessalonians. He's written two. And he's bringing his thoughts together. And he says, brothers and sisters, we ask you to pray for us. Paul understood. If Paul didn't think prayer changed things, that prayer mattered, if it was going to be what it was going to be, then why would he say pray for me? Because he understood that the effectiveness of him as a minister, the effectiveness of him as a missionary, really was dependent upon others praying for him. He realized they were in a spiritual struggle. They were in a spiritual battle. And I don't know if you realize this or not. You're in a spiritual struggle. You're in a spiritual battle. I know we we get up and we go to work every day, and I know we live our life, but understand, there's a spiritual battle playing out in the unseen world, and your prayers make a difference. Paul said, brothers and sisters, pray for us. Pray that the Lord's message will spread rapidly and be honored wherever it goes. Paul knew the importance of people's prayer life and the authority they had when they came together. So he directly asked the Thessalonians for prayer. 
And the aim and the object of the prayers were twofold. Paul said, pray that the Lord's message will spread rapidly and be honored wherever it goes. And I love how the old English translates this verse. The new King James says, brethren, pray for us. For the word of the Lord may run swiftly and be glorified. And I love the picture that that paints. The word of God running swiftly. Paul prayed, I don't want this word to be hindered. I don't want this word to be stopped. I don't want this word to be encumbered. I don't want this word to be restrained. So I need you to pray. I need you to pray that the word can run swiftly because the word is what changes hearts. The word is what changes destinies. Paul knew the importance of the word of God. So he says, church, we got to pray that the word will run swiftly. Your prayers have influence. Your prayers change things. Your prayer can cause the word of God to be effective, to be planted, and to bring down strongholds. Your prayer can affect destinies. I need you to see the importance of you interceding, the importance of you praying. Bruce Barton, a theologian, writes this. The Greek word for spread rapidly literally pictures a runner. Perhaps like one who were participating in races in the Greek games that were held in Corinth. Paul saw the gospel message running across the known world, finding converts in every place, just as it had in Thessalonica. Paul knew the preaching of the gospel would result in honor being given to the Lord because of the marvelous results in the lives of those who believe. So Paul said, pray for us. Pray that the word of God would run rapidly. Our intercessory prayers can help obstacles be removed, can help the path be made plain, the crooked path made straight. You might be asking a question, what are obstacles to one receiving the word of God? Let me tell you some of these obstacles. Pride. Hurt, past hurt, anger, sin, bondage, spiritual blindness, apathy. These are things we should be pulling down. These are things we should be praying against. These are things that we should be interceding and saying, Lord, we come against pride. We come against sin. We come against spiritual apathy. God, we come against anger and blindness in the mighty name of Jesus. What are obstacles which keep the word of God from running swiftly? In areas or communities, unjust laws and ordinances, they hinder the word of God. Unjust people and power and corruption in government, that hinders the word of God. Systematic racism and hatred for others hinders the word of God. Acts of violence and unrighteousness. The spirit of antichrist today hinders the, the, the word of God. But when God's people pray, when God's people intercede, when you grab a hold of the horns of the altar, things begin to happen. The word of God begins to to run swiftly and wherever the word goes it brings freedom it brings anointing strongholds are brought down bondages are destroyed through the power of the word of God you have something come against your family 
A spirit of poverty has attacked your family. Come against it in the word of God. Come against it with prayer. Sickness has attacked your home. Come against it with the word of God. Come against it through intercessory prayer. It's important that we intercede one for the other. Paul said, pray. Pray for us. The word intercession is derived from a Latin word meaning between. Another word meaning to go. Intercession then is going between and standing in the gap. Paul understood the importance of believers joining with him in prayer. You catch a glimpse of this in the book of Romans chapter 15. As he begins to close that book, in verse 30, he says, Brothers and sisters, I urge you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to join in my struggle by praying to God for me. They can identify with Paul through prayer. They can join in his struggle through prayer. Do this because of your love for me given to you by the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't have to remind you that when you step out to serve the Lord, you often come under spiritual attack. You're not just imagining this. It's true. We're in a spiritual war for the souls of humanity. And the answer is not to hide your faith and do nothing for God and hope the devil doesn't notice you. The answer is to learn to pray for one another. Learn to pray more effectively. Learn to pray with a greater anointing. And Paul models this for us in these verses. Write the word agonize. He said, agonize with me. It's a remarkable word that Paul uses. He doesn't just ask us to pray. He asked them to agonize with him in prayers to God on his behalf. And that word comes from a word meaning agon, which means a place with a fierce context or a contest is held. Until one opponent is defeated. It's like a wrestling match. You're showing up and there's a wrestling match that takes place and one will walk away victorious. One will be defeated. Church, you know how I feel about participation trophies. Everybody gets a trophy. In this spiritual battle, not everybody gets a trophy. We got to agonize. We got to pray. We got to come together and we got to believe because there's a contest to win and there's going to be a contest people lose. That's how serious this spiritual warfare is. It's not just because you're born, you're going to end up in heaven. It's only those who know the name Jesus, only those who confess him as Lord and Savior. And the enemy, Satan, Lucifer himself, is doing all that he can to take as many souls with him to the lake of fire as he can. He's the thief who's come to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come to give you life and life more abundantly. Why do we pray because it matters. Why do we lift each other up in prayer? Because prayer changes things. I urge you in the name of the Lord to join in my struggle. Paul said the church at Rome was joining his trouble and his struggle whenever they prayed for him. And church, we need people praying for us. 
Musicians are making their way. I want to bring this point home through another scripture. 2 Corinthians 1 verse 8. Paul says, we think you ought to know, brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. Can I tell you, it, it's important for you to testify what God has done. It's important for you to tell others where the Lord's brought you from, how the Lord intervened, how the Lord worked and moved and used their prayers to get you through. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. We thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die, but as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely on God who raises the dead. He did rescue us from mortal danger. He will rescue us again. We have placed our confidence in him, and he will continue to rescue us. You are helping us by praying for us. Did you catch that? You are helping us by praying for us. Paul had a strong belief in the efficacy of intercessory prayer. Paul believed that the regular intercession of the Corinthians as well as the Thessalonians contributed toward his deliverance on that traumatic occasion and that their continued intercession would make the difference in future situations as well. Do you know that people are praying for you? Do you know that your prayers for others make a difference? I experienced the power of intercessory prayer about four weeks ago. It's when my mom was in town. Many of you know that the last couple years I've been struggling with some, some health issues and, and asthma has been developed in my, my 50s for some reason. And my mom was here. We were over in Daytona area. My daughter and my grand, grandson, Jedediah, was here. and We were out to dinner. And I was having a hard time that day breathing. You could hear me breathing. It was, it was bad. And you know how your body works whenever, whenever you can hear, you get more conscious of it. It becomes more and your body begins to work against you. We went back to the house and I was really having, a, on the way, I literally broke down in tears because I was gasping for breath. I said, you probably want to take me to the emergency room. So Christy's like, let's go right now. And I'm like, no, get me back. So we get, we pack everything up and we started heading back to Orlando. And the reason was this, because in my mind, I was going to the hospital and I didn't want to be stuck in Daytona in the hospital. If I had to go to the hospital, I wanted to be home. I wanted to be here. So we get everything in the next few minutes and we're headed back and I'm, I can't hardly breathe. I'm having a hard time. I let the windows down. I'm praying. Anxiety is high. And I'm turning off one road onto 400, about to get on I-4. And I look down at my phone. It's 9.30 at night on a Friday night. And I get a text from an evangelist friend. Hey, I'm praying for you right now. I hadn't had a text from that guy in a long time. At that moment, 
Let me tell you what that prayer did. At that moment, I knew God saw me. At that moment, I knew I was going to be okay. At that moment, I was struggling. I couldn't breathe. I still didn't know. I quickly texted him and said, thank you. Right now, I'm having an asthma attack. It's so bad, I may have to go to the hospital. He recorded a prayer and sent it to me. And I prayed that prayer. And from the time that I left Daytona to the time I got back home, my breathing became easier and easier and easier. Now, I share that because I want you to see the importance of your prayers one for the other. Now, he could have prayed that prayer and not sent a text. He could have prayed that prayer and never let me know that he was praying. You know what? God, God was working. But when he sent that and said, I'm praying for you right now, it did two things. It let me know that God saw me and let me know that the Lord is working. It's a spiritual attack taking place. It let me know that I'm about to be okay. See the importance of you praying one for the other. You never know what that breakthrough is. You never know what that person's going through. But that text, I'm praying for you. Those moments when you send a recorded prayer may be the thing that brings victory in somebody else's life. And many of you have similar stories. When you were struggling, you were going through a hard time and somebody called you out of the blue and said, I prayed for you last night. I prayed and I believe God's working and moving. It helps you. It encourages you. And church, hear me. Prayer matters. Your prayer matters. Paul says the word of God will run swiftly because you're praying. Paul says agonize we with me in my struggle. Come alongside with me in my battle by praying with me. I believe God's calling his church to intercessory prayer. We are engaged in a spiritual battle. The souls of mankind are waiting in the balance. Could it be that your prayer causes the word of God to go forward into their life, finds good soil, and brings forth born again experience? Let us pray. Father, I love you. I thank you. I thank you, Lord, because our prayers matter. It is not, it will be what it will be. What's determined is determined. No, Father, you've called us into this living dynamic with you. And it's out of that place of your goodness, out of that place of your character, where you are telling us keep on asking keep on seeking keep on knocking and the door will be open and it's in that context of parent and children where Jesus said how much more will your heavenly father give you good gifts to those who ask him and Lord sometimes sometimes we don't pray God because of past disappointment because we prayed and it seemed like nothing happened seemed like the opposite took place father we ask you to help us with that disappointment help us not to allow that disappointment to push us further away from you but help us God to cause that disappointment to cause us to fall at your knees and cry holy and how great thou art 
guide us and lead us and teach us, oh God. The disciples came to you that day and said, Lord, teach us to pray. And Lord, today we come as a disciple. Holy Spirit, we ask, teach us to pray. As our head is bowed, our eyes are closed. God's calling you to prayer. Calling you to intercede. Calling you into relationship with Him. The authority that He's placed within you. Will you pray? Will you seek His face? We need a move. And the move of God will happen when the people of God call. When the people of God seek. When the people of God knock. When the people of God turn. When the people of God said, I need you. Will you be the one who says, Lord, I need you. My family needs you. My daughter needs you. My son needs you. My grandchildren need you. We need the move of God. We need the touch of God. Will you answer the call to pray? Will you answer the call to intercede? If you'll say yes, I want you to begin to make your way to the front. I want you to begin to make your way up front and say, Lord, here I am. I'll pray. I'll intercede. I'll call out. I'll call out.